What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. To Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, the feel-good edition. Midweek, halfway home, and plenty to get into between boat rides and sea legs and quarterback offers and all that good stuff. Great to be with you. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Numbers to dial us up at 466-3776-466-377-6800-825. 5865 can email chris at com. Follow us, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Uh, Mike Babcock in about 20 minutes. We'll talk some big red with him. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge. Shuey's got the old snow beast out. I'm fairly confident out at Wilderness Ridge. Andy Markowski. The pride of Ord, Husker standout, and of course assistant with uh, the uh, the machine that is known as Pious Girls Basketball. Uh, Markowski is going to be with us. Can't wait to talk with him. George Darlington, longtime Nebraska assistant, uh, will shed some light on Bill Bush back to Nebraska. And then we'll talk about that monstrous turf toe that Patrick Mahomes had surgery on today. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, a jock doc from Lincoln Orthopedic. Got your numbers, get in, and uh, let's talk. Before we get to Nebraska, Wisconsin, before we dive into some of the quarterback offers for Nebraska football in 2022, let us talk about a site many of us thought we'd never see. A human, let's let my hair down, or in, in today's case, Put my hat on backwards, Tom Brady. Super Bowl parades have been quite a straight-up freak shows. Between Travis Kelsey going full wrestling guy and his uh, brother, Philly's Super Bowl parade was straight-up grotesque in some instances. Well, with Tampa, you're on the water, and you can do a boat parade, and oh boy, the Bucks did a boat parade and what what is trending now on Twitter is is drunk Tom Brady. And you just didn't think you'd listen, A, is it real? B, is he just a little seasick? C, d- did he have a few wine coolers? That's what we gotta dive into is if Brady is in fact a little bit lit with the sun and the water. And the alcohol, because the guy drinks 7,000 glasses of water a day. He eats almonds. He eats chicken every day. And I'm sure he got a workout in. In fact, he is probably working out right now to get the toxins out of his body. (laughs) What do you believe? You think he just finally let his hair down? And you got to be so buttoned up and corporate. I mean, Gronk can be the big, dumb animal. We love him. But... 
He's the one catching beers and shotgunning beers in sub-zero weather. This is new for both of them, not celebrating a Super Bowl, but celebrating a Super Bowl in shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, Tom Brady looks like he's walking down O Street at 2 a.m. Oh, doesn't he? He's yeah. headed right for Lazari's, baby. <laughs> well, like, I mean, did you see him toss the, the Lombardi trophy I know, from it, one it, boat it, to another? Right, Tell yes. me he would do that sober. Well, it was... Come on now. Well, I, I, think, I think he was challenged. I bet you can't complete this, okay? And I, dude, I don't know if, think about that. Think about the fact if if it's truly the Lombardi trophy that he's underhanding, grannying from one boat to the next, there's no way that's not a replica. That can't be the real one. I mean, Tampa doesn't happen every year. (laughs) 20 years between Super Bowl trips and Super Bowl wins. If it is the real one, good on them. And he's got to have something other than than TB12 electrolytes throwing through them veins today. If Brady's in Tampa, Brady, Brady seems to me like if he's going out with the linemen back in the day, He's buying the pitchers. They're all getting stakes. And and Brady also seems to me like he can quite easily throw on a turtleneck, uh, you know, a corduroy sport coat, and have cigars and brandy. All right? I think he can do that as well. But if you're down in Tampa, it's got to be rum country, right? I mean, it's tropical. It's warm. It's nice. Um, maybe it's Gronk firing up tequila. I didn't see any, you know, limes anywhere. What do you think he had today? I need the full report. And I just don't. Brady, uh, Brady seems like a champagne guy to me. <laughs> yes, but well. But like a real nice champagne. Like th- they cracked that thing on the hull of the ship before they embarked. <laughs> right. I mean, we're talking Caddyshack scene. <laughs> He's just swinging away. Man, but that, you know, drunk Brady is getting love. He seems human. Yeah, that's uh, he seems human. He doesn't seem like this weird robotic football monster that we saw in, in New England. No, and, and he's got his hat on backwards, and he's got somebody to the left of him, somebody to the right of him, and they are guiding him. We have all been there either being guided or doing the guiding. Mm-hmm. And you nailed it. I mean, it's straight up. After your, your your stop at the bar, the bar, after your stop at, at Duffy's, after your stop at Lazari's, brother, you're just, someone needs to take care of you. He looks like he's ready for the for the hot stripper at the highway diner. Yes. <laughs> got to add, uh, add the cheese and the egg. You got to add the cheese and you got to get the hash browns extra crispy and get the facts, magic toast. Facts, facts. No. Brother, there's, we lived purposefully like two blocks from the diner in college. It's just, I mean, open 24 hours still. They had their own smoker bus. <laughs> how, how many? <laughs> but, uh, okay, back How to much Brady. did I spend uh, at the Highway Diner in college? I don't know if that's where you were going. But but back to Brady, it, it just seems by all accounts, he can go put his hair down in Tampa Bay. You, you see uh, Bruce Arians. Look at the crew he's with. But, but, do you see Bruce Arians' comments to the uh, Los Angeles Times, I think, yesterday, last night? Tell me. Um, he said... B.A.'s like, had a, a glass of crown in his hand, <laughs> and Jason Light's had a Bud Light in his since Sunday at 1. But uh, apparently Tom Brady like texted him a couple times this year and said, hey, like, do you mind if I don't throw on Wednesday? I want to keep my arm fresh for the game Sunday. And Bruce Arians is like... 
yeah, I don't care. You're Tom Brady. Do what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just see, and based on kind of the, the picture Lars Anderson has described to us of B.A., I mean, B.A.'s been with the who's who of quarterbacks because he connects and gets the best out of them, and his personality is a major driver in that. And you look at Arizona's resurrection uh, when they had uh, water, and of course, uh, they had some good years with Carson Palmer, right? Kind of knocking on that door. This whole crew that went from Arizona to Tampa, between Bulls, between Arians, between Light, down to Tampa with some of their free agent pickups and uh, and what they have. It's been fun. And you had Leftwich down there. I mean, it, it's a sweet group. Now, the key is how long can you keep this group together? You want it once. People are going to come knocking for Byron Leftwich. Uh, my wife is back from uh, buying more furniture, so I'm glad she hung up. That would have made me shake. I would have needed the Tom Brady uh, Long Island iced tea <laughs> or something. What'd you spend today, dear? Uh, well, we, we don't want to know. Just just break the news to me afterwards, after 6 o'clock tonight. So, pretty cool scene down in Tampa. Gronk's doing his thing, shirtless, of course. And he is either experienced in, in focusing on the middle if he's seeing double or triple, because he was kind of standing up, kind of on the edge of the boat with that balance. So... Good on on uh, Tampa and their party. They are they are having a good old time in the sun and on the water. Uh, what type of fun is Nebraska having in the recruiting realms for 2022? Uh, this offer came out yesterday to Connor Harrell. He's the latest quarterback offer. The other two quarterbacks that uh, have been offered by Nebraska: Walker Howard, kid out of Louisiana. And the who's who's offered Howard. And, and just think of the, the schools that have produced or are, are pretty reputable with quarterbacks, right? You, you have Florida State with Jimbo Fisher. Uh, you're going to have Alabama uh, down there uh, always offering. So Walker Howard's a four-star quarterback with uh, the, the who's who of offers. You have uh, M.J. Morris, I think he's committed to Georgia Tech, but it was between Georgia and Georgia Tech. Nebraska was an early offer to M.J. Morris. Nebraska just offering Connor Harrell. And uh, when you look at Harrell, I mean, it's Louisville, it's Duke, it's Nebraska, it's Tennessee. And Harrell was, I think, first offered by Tennessee and, and Coach Pruitt. I know that uh, Northwestern has asked for his transcripts as well. So he's he's on the radar. He's a three-star kid, 6'1", 195. And, and Harold, just watching a little bit of his film, he's at Thompson High School, 73% completion percentage, uh, over 3,500 3, yards passing, went to a state championship, 42 touchdowns, just three interceptions. And from a rushing standpoint, 319, five a carry, five touchdowns. He looks to me... And you have one or the other, right, based on who you play in high school and what you do best and how do you win games. High school coaches are going to ask their quarterbacks just to go do what they do best and and win that way. And a lot of times you get – let's just kind of look at McCaffrey. What was McCaffrey? McCaffrey's an athlete that was able to – to make make plays, right, for, for his dad at Christian Valor. 
as a quarterback and also as kind of an athlete wideout when when his brother Dylan was the quarterback there. Uh, you look at Smothers. Smothers is a speed demon, also in a spread offense. Uh, he can throw the football. Uh, he's a tough kid. Smothers also a very gifted runner. And with Adrian, what you saw in junior film, uh, pre-arm injury, a uh, guy could chuck the football. Had a really good uh, right arm on him and was mobile enough, right? But I, I look at, at Connor Harrell, and I look, uh, and he's the, the latest offer again. We're talking out of, out of Thompson High School down in Alabaster, Alabama. Uh, and I tell you what, Chins has had good luck with, with Bama kids if we're looking at Cam Taylor Britt. I hope Nebraska can stay in it with this Harold kid and not to get too geeked on, on film, but he had to sit behind a kid as, as a sophomore that was a kid that eventually ended up going to Auburn as quarterback. And, and he started this year, and he's a guy that is very good. And I... You know, immediately when you look at an athlete at quarterback or a dual threat guy, what what is he? Is he is a run first guy? Is he a, or is he a thrower that can also run? And in Frost's offense, if you get a guy like a McKenzie Milton that can read defenses and get the football out to some ball players and move around and run when you need to or want to, kind of like Mariota, that that works well as an additional rushing threat. But if you got a guy that can just chuck it, and what I loved about Harrell in this offense is his mobility in the pocket. He looked a little Mahomes-esque. Again, we're name-dropping and attaching to a, a kid that's a senior to be in high school, which isn't fair. But the way he was able to escape and throw on the run is nice. I mean, that's that's fantastic athleticism, great touch on the football, but also enough smoke to, uh, to, to hit some seam routes. And he really, just reading up on him a little bit, really enjoys the chess side of things with knowing and understanding defenses and where to go, to go with the football, but also have that backyard element to just go make a play. And, and, you know, we talk about Nebraska football needing to get downfield, right? Well, Harold, at least through his high school film as a junior at Thompson High School, is a dude that can get the football out and find guys deep downfield down the sideline or down the seam i'm really intrigued i like what i saw i think there's really good high school football down in alabama uh, i hope nebraska's able to stick in it with him we'll see if if harold's still wowed by tennessee despite the pruitt crew gone louisville duke uh and uh nebraska and then there's a, a bunch of a group of five led by central florida but Harold's a dude that I, I hope Nebraska sticks on, and I think he could do some nice things at Nebraska. He's a quarterback I'd really like to see in Lincoln at some point. Yeah, I'm reluctant to judge a quarterback based solely off his highlights because that's what they are. They're your highlights of the season, the best plays he got. But, I mean, this guy's got like a 12-minute-long junior year highlight tape. You're seeing a lot of his plays, a lot of what he was doing for his offense. And what impressed me most was his, his ability to stand tall in the pocket and be confident in the pocket. This isn't a running quarterback that, as soon as his first option was gone, he'd be looking to run the ball and, and uh, make a play with his legs. This is a guy that will stand in and get He wants first, to throw. Yeah, he, he'll get through his first read, his second read, and then once the pocket starts breaking down, then he uses his, his legs as a check down almost uh I, I like what i what i'm seeing from him he's got good arm strength uh and despite being i don't want to say reluctant to run um it's, it's definitely a second option to run he mm-hmm. definitely is quick shifty um and 
tends to pick up that first down whenever the play does break down. He does get outside the pocket and, uh, and get downfield with his legs. We'll uh, spend some time with Mike Babcock, get his thoughts uh, on uh, the Husker staff additions. We'll talk to Babbers about <laughs> what are we going to learn about Husker baseball when Babbers break out that crystal ball. Uh, schedule-wise, some Husker hoops as well. Tom Brady uh, just letting us know as we started this the show off about drunk Tom Brady. Uh, nothing to see here, says Tom Brady on Twitter. Just a little avocado tequila. Avocado tequila? <laughs> well, he eats avocado ice cream. That's wrong. Well, I'm, avocados are incredible, and I'm sure it's anti-inflammatory. <laughs> Avocado tequila for the win. Mike Babcock's on the way. It's a Wednesday with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock. Babbers, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Just plugging away like everybody else, I guess. That's the way to be, isn't it? It is. It is. You got to just, uh, you know, I like the, uh, I like to believe that we're all in this together, but I, it really bothers me that a lot of people are not able to work and got to get this thing under control so people can, can earn a living. No, I absolutely hear you. Babbers, uh, a thought here. Let's start off with uh, some of the staff additions and kind of your takeaway with Bill Bush back in Lincoln. You know, that's the, that's the one that I'm familiar with, of course. Um, I, I'm, I'm really happy that he's, that he's coming back. Uh, I know that uh, under Bill Callahan, he, you know, one of his responsibilities was coordinating special teams. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, another aspect of, uh, of him coming back that can make people happy is his his ability as a recruiter. I mean, I think he was influential in in uh, getting uh, uh, Burrow to uh, to LSU, and and uh, uh, when he was he he worked under Urban Meyer at, at Utah, um, and uh, might have had some influence there in recruiting Alex Smith, the quarterback there. So I, you know, recruiting is really important, and he's shown that he can do that. I think and. And then, you know, the special teams, there's been that conversation, and and to have him on board in any capacity is, is a good thing. Mike Babcock's with us, Hale Varsity uh, Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, when we talk about, about quarterback play, uh, we were just spending a few minutes on some of the offers for 2022. And uh, if you look at Nebraska, I want to kind of get your take with what you've seen in your time with just making a decision maybe not to shift away from a, from a great athlete at quarterback, but you've seen different times with Nebraska football where they've gone different routes. Uh, with, with Coach Osborne, you had kind of a pass-first pro-style guy for the first part of his career, and then you saw the importance – to get that that quarterback that'll get you over the Oklahoma hump in in Turner Gill, and then towards the end of Coach Osborne's career, you had a slew of incredible option quarterbacks to go with the power run game. 
Uh, we've seen different styles of quarterbacks between Osborne and to where we're at right now. But some of the kids they're looking at right now, they, they are really fleet of foot. But maybe uh, they're a little bit more polished, at least as, as we look on, and I air quote, highlight film tape, where they, where they could be throwers first versus runners first. Well, and that's the thing that if that's what Scott Frost wants, if that's what he's looking for, um, you know, then it's a good thing. And, that, you know, the guys that you mentioned, um, the one guy is from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and one guy is from uh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the pandemic, uh, it's really difficult to get those guys on campus. And, you know, you don't see what it is that uh, makes Nebraska special. I think the passion of the fans in the sold-out Memorial Stadium. So it's going to be more difficult. But if that's where he wants to go, that's the thing. You have to have an idea of what you want, what your system is supposed to be, and then you recruit for that. And that's the one thing that Osborne did. You know, when he, when he took over for Bob Devaney, um, and, and Tom was the wide receivers coach and also effectively the offensive coordinator uh, since about 1968 when he, when Bob decided that they needed to change the offense to more of a spread type uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing. Um, and, and so you had, uh, you had Dave Hum. Uh, you got Vince Ferragamo, a transfer from the University of California. Um, and then, uh, you know, you pointed it out. Tom saw that... Uh, the thing, the the one game that everybody focused on, because Tom's teams always won at least nine games and got to a bowl game, but what early on what they couldn't do was beat Oklahoma, and what Tom decided was the way to beat Oklahoma was to play the way Oklahoma did, with a quarterback that was capable of running the ball as well as throwing it, um, maybe more so running the ball eventually, and installing an option offense. So. He recruited that way. You know, he, he recruited Nate Mason. Um, he recruited Turner Gill. Um, and, you know, Turner could have, been a, could have been a quarterback in either. He could have been a drop-back quarterback and been really successful. He could have been uh, more of an option quarterback even than he was, and he could have been successful. But he was kind of the transitional figure there um, that, that – you know, you saw Steve Taylor was important in, mm-hmm. in that transition. Uh, Jerry Godowski had a remarkable season, the one season that he that he was a starter, um, working the way all the way up, you know, to Tommy Fraser. And then uh, Scott Frost was that kind of quarterback as well. But, but it started with the commitment to a system and then look for guys that fit that system. That was the important thing. And I think that Nebraska kind of got away with away from that approach when Bill Callahan was the coach here um, because Bill seemed to, you know, his recruiting seemed to be, let's just get the best guys, you know, the highest ranked guys and then figure out how to use them. And, uh, you know, he had some really talented guys that he brought in, but it didn't seem like he had a consistent idea of what the system was supposed to be. And that's where, you know, that's where it is. That's where it's at from my point of view. And, and so you talk about those quarterbacks. If that's the system that Scott Frost wants, then, you know, let's move ahead and let's find other pieces at other positions that fit that kind of system. Um, and, uh, and once you commit to that, I think uh, you're in a place where you can make improvement 
Um, and part of it is recruiting, and part of it is just teaching and getting the right guys to fit a system, commitment to it. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, a, a thought from you on tonight's matchup against Wisconsin. Coach Hoiberg uh, frustrated after the, the tough one against Minnesota. Uh, I think he's a, a smart, smart basketball guy. I, I think he's super frustrated at uh, lack of execution, and I think he's just frustrated with their, their, their inability to prep now that they're slamming three to four games in a week. How does this go tonight for Nebraska? Another uh, good effort or another drilling? I mean, is there a happy medium tonight with whiskey coming in? Um, you know, I'd like to say that there's a happy medium at least. Um, and it, it's ironic, or I don't know if it's ironic, it's interesting um, that, you know, some of the things that bothered the football team, you know, just making mechanical mistakes, jumping off sides or, you know, yeah. the motion or whatever. Um, problems plague the football team. The basketball team, to me, seems to be the same way. You know that the that the players get out of system here, and the next thing you know, it's like a one man show. Like one one guy has the ball and he decides what it is he's going to do with it, and it you know it doesn't. You don't pass the ball around. You don't stay in any kind of a system, and you don't take advantage of of the skills of all the players that you have there, and. I always ascribe that, in part at least, to transfers. You know, accomplishing this kind of team unity thing when you've got a bunch of transfer players um, that are new to the system and, you know, they're trying to find their way. And there's the mindset, there, there's kind of this me mindset that, uh, that you can't have. You know, when the Huskers pass the ball around and don't turn it over, you know, my gosh, Nebraska turnovers just hurt the, the Huskers, something mm-hmm. fierce. Um, but don't turn the ball over. Take care of the basketball and pass the ball. Run a system of some sort. Um, I think they have the talent to, to, to be competitive in these situations, but I, I don't see it. You know, you see glimpses of it, and then all of a sudden something goes, there's a couple of turnovers, and then the next thing you know it becomes a, uh, one-man offense again, and whoever has the ball, that they determine what's going to happen. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, at this point, it seems like Nebraska basketball is pretty destined to finish uh, in the basement of the Big Ten. Um, but the, the question to me is, is are they even going to win a conference game this year? It feels like it's been so long since last time that Nebraska did win a conference game. Is, is that going to change this year, or are we going to have to wait till 2021-2022? That was one of the questions on the uh, mailbag on the website today. Um, is Nebraska going to win a conference game? And, uh, you know, my response was yes. Um, I don't know which one. I just think that at some point Nebraska has talent. And when it, get, when it kind of fits together and, and Nebraska's not turning the ball over uh, consistently and plays as hard as uh, you know, there have been stretches where Nebraska's looked pretty good, and you got to you know, in, in each in in most games there have been stretches, but they, they don't last. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think Nebraska's going to win win a game or two, um, but I couldn't tell you which ones. And it, well, there's some pretty tough uh, competition coming up here, so um, it's going to be a challenge. But uh, I just think that uh, Fred, Fred Hoiberg will get their attention. And, uh, you know, the longer it goes, uh, you know, Teddy Allen uh, not playing for disciplinary reasons, I mean, that, that sends a message uh, 
Um, I think they'll get it together at some point. But uh, you know, you're you're right. This is probably a, a seller dweller uh, for this season. Babber's about uh, ninety seconds or a little less than. Any uh, crystal ball with baseball for us for Husker baseball? <laughs> you know, no. I, I don't understand why we we don't have a baseball schedule yet. You know, it's going to be conference only. I see the softball schedule was released, mm-hmm. and you know that's a good thing is that there's going to be a like a, a series of games that are going to be played in Florida before they start playing um, at sites. Um, I, I like that. I su- assume that baseball would have something of the similar nature. Um, the one thing that's concerning is I saw the uh, National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association uh, preseason rankings. One team from the Big Ten in the top 35, mm-hmm. I think Michigan was 34, and only two other teams got votes. Um, and that's going to be tough when you've got a conference-only schedule and you're trying to qualify for the for the NCAA tournament. Um you're going to have to play really well and impress people if you're starting out a season where the rankings don't give you any kind of credit whatsoever. No, there's no, uh, there's no non-con, there's no RPI boosters, there's no Oregon State or Arizona State. It's, it's what do you do in conference and what do they weigh your conference value at uh, when you look across uh, baseball. Babbers, we'll do this again. You stay healthy and warm, partner. All right? You and your listeners, be safe. All right, Mike. Thanks so much. Mike Babcock with us, uh, all things Nebraska, and uh, catch him on Twitter at MDBabs. Read him, HaleVarsity.com, and, of course, magazine. Mike Shuart on the way. Shuey's checking in with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Five minutes away, Andy Markowski to talk some Husker hoops. The Pride of Ord going to be with us. George Darlington will uh, get us some recruiting thoughts and uh, some Bill Bush backstory. We say hi to Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And someday that snow is going to be away. There'll be a swim-up pool. You know about the amazing golf at Wilderness. Join now. Shuey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Looking at a lot of white stuff out there. Not happy about it. Well, we can blame someone else for that. That's, that's uh, right. That's so. I got to ask you, and I lost it with not only the commentary, but just the pinpoint accuracy of uh, of DJ over in Dubai, uh, and and he hit the uh, <laughs> he hit he hit the uh, the uh, the patron, and the commentary <laughs> that followed was just priceless on Twitter. So I, on top of the video itself, Shuey, did you ever have a DJ moment where, you know, as, as Happy Gilmore would say, well, they shouldn't have been standing there? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I played my first U.S. Open when I was in college. That's awesome. And I got on the first tee, and I looked down the first tee, and there had to be 30,000 people on the first fairway. And, you know, each one's poking their head in a little more to kind of see, kind of see all of a sudden it looked like I was trying to hit it down a telescope. So I looked at my caddy, and I'm like going, I'm not sure I can even hit this thing. (laughs) So I finally pulled the trigger and hit it, and I I was blacked out anyway. I didn't have any idea what was happening. I looked at my kid. I said, where'd that go? You see, I, he said, see all those people over there left diving for cover? That's where you get a big old hook off the tee. <laughs> diving for cover. <laughs> 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 laughing with you, Shuey. Don't hurt me next time I see you. 
Have the, should we have there ever been any patrons that you didn't hit with the golf ball, but they deserved to be hit with the golf ball? Oh yeah, there are many of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, where's it? Where's it been the most rowdy slash difficult? Where the patrons didn't let you get to your little zen moment and and swing away? Actually, they used to play it. It was called the Greater Greensboro out in North Carolina. And uh, I think it was the 15th hole. It was a par three. And they put a grandstand up behind the, the green. And it was, man, it had to be, I don't know, it had to be five layers high. And they would just, each one, the higher it got, the more they'd hang out over the grandstands. And they were right on top of the green, man. They were drinking beer and they were spilling beer. And it was rowdy as heck, man. They don't have it anymore. They had to do away with it because it got so crazy. People were throwing beer, spilling beer, throwing it down on the green. It was nuts. So could you ask one of the the, the folks there uh, to, to toss you one if you were thirsty? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty right. good. Mike Schuart's with us, uh, Wilderness Ridge. We're talking a little PGA, Hale Varsity Radio. So let's go to Phoenix. And uh, what what wowed you most about Kepka uh, this weekend? Just um, the best part was listening to him after when he was talking about, you know, his injury and coming back from his injury and the doubt. But it's like, you know, he went through that spell where he was doubting whether he'd ever be back to the level that he was, you know, and his ability to kind of keep sticking through it and grinding through it, you know, and, and getting into that moment where he started getting his confidence back and, you know, Turned out that he won the tournament because of that. That's one. And Jordan Spieth, obviously. Jordan Spieth is he's really good for the game. I mean, he's one that needs to get his game back, so he's up there. I mean, the buzz that he creates when he's playing well and in contention is is kind of tigerish. Mm. He was. I know he didn't have. It was a, a roundabout scenic tour, but he was phenomenal. On Saturday, the shots he hit, the recovery he had. Yeah, I mean that that was, that was just that wow. Was, that was a wow factor, man. Yeah, that was Jordan Spieth of a few years ago when he was really on top, you know, of the PGA Tour. I mean, that's how he played back then, and he hadn't been able to do that for a long time. And it's finally had a little bit of a, a glimpse of him getting back to that. So, and it created a huge buzz. I mean, and he's. He, he, like I said, he is really good for the game. I mean, he's very likable. People like him. They root for him. You know, so when he when he plays well and does what he does, and he has that flair about him, that yeah. tigerish flair. I mean, he goes about doing some amazing things, and people walk away going, wow, that was incredible. Did you see that? So, like, we need more of Jordan doing that. AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend, and Pebble Beach legendary who do you like, and do you have a, a moment from Pebble Beach? Actually, that's that's a bucket list place. If you're a golfer and you love golf, that is one place that you need to go. I mean, it's still get goosebumps thinking about that because you go down, you walk down to the putting green, little putting green. These shops are around the putting green, and you think about all the great players that have putted on that putting green before they went to the first tee uh, to play golf, and uh, I mean, it's it's pretty legendary. It's a pretty cool place. And I did shoot 69 at Pebble Beach in my first tour event there, which is 
Nice. Pretty fun. That was really nice. I'd say, Shuey, you can lead with that. I mean, I know the, the putting green scene is, is sweet, but you can just casually throw out the, well, you know, <laughs> fired a 69 so, at Pebble Beach one time. Oh, by the way, right? Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I had a buddy, uh, my friend Iowa Russ and his dad, they went and did Pebble Beach and just loved it. Uh, that, loved it, didn't he? Oh, yeah, man. It's, he, it's he, incredible. He's who I golf with, and he tolerates me. And yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he he went with his dad, and that was that was sweet. Should we get a couple of minutes, kind of lay out what uh, what folks can, can check out at Wilderness? Uh, I know it's snow in February, but man, a lot of work going in. And uh, I tell you what, there's uh, a lot of folks that are thinking about what do we do for that family time, what we what do we do for golf membership? Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, they're still working away, even with this bad weather. So our new pro shop and academy is going up. Yeah, if you ever stop out, take a look, you can see it's a big, huge building that's they're working on every day. And then once this weather finally breaks, they'll start working on the pool. And, yeah, it's going to be spectacular. I mean, we're I'm super excited. Everybody's super excited and can't wait. And we need to see some green grass. You're telling me, man. This uh, <laughs> this stuff's no good. So, are you on? You got about thirty seconds here. Are you dialing in on Paul Casey for for uh, Pebble? Do you like uh, Molinari, uh, Jason Day? Where we, where where's Shuey uh, getting the crystal ball ready? No, I'm going for these young guys, man. They're starting to show up. They're starting to play really good. So it's like you got Abraham Answer mm. and Joaquin Neiman. Uh, there's a young guy, uh, Will Gordon is another one, you know, and Pebble typically is, if you're a California guy, grew up out there, they usually are pretty tough there. I mean, it's, they always seem to play really well, uh, local guys around the area. So, I mean, there's a lot of really young, good talent that's really starting to come. Scotty Shuffler is another one. Yep. I mean, he's, he's right on the verge of having a, just a breakout to become, you know, a top 10 player in the world. So, watch for one of those guys. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Go see Shuey. Go get uh, fit and fixed by Shuey. And uh, check out Wilderness. Shuey, we love you, buddy. We'll get caught up next week. How's that sound? All right, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. There he is, Mike Shuart with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Andy Markowski, the pride of Ord. Some Oscar Hoops thoughts. George Darlington next hour. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time Wednesday edition Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll uh, check in with uh, Andy Markowski and George Darlington. Reminder about West Blue Realty. Are you looking for that residential home in Lincoln or surrounding community? West Blue Realty can make this 2021 move. Uh, painless for you. For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty will provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. How do you do it? Well, you do it with Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom a ring at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, Kelly's there at 402-202-2312. For more details, it pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com. 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So I know, Elijah, you are anxious to get back 
at it with another steak and beer bet Friday. We will figure that all out. But uh, the odds to win the Super Bowl are out uh, in Vegas for next season. After 10,000 simulations, the odds are as follows for Super Bowl 56. The Chiefs at 14.87%. Green Bay is in its second at 11.76. Buffalo is at 10. And Baltimore at 10.98. Tampa comes in in at number five at 9.2, uh, 9.29. So I don't know what's greater right now, Brady's blood alcohol level or this percentage for Tampa to go back to back. I was looking at the odds last night, and Tampa going back-to-back I think is a great pick. I think it could happen. You know what I think may happen? Hmm. They get back there, and Kansas City drills them. Mm, Oh, like a Super Bowl rematch? That's Super Bowl revenge. Having the same two teams in Super Bowl back-to-back is even more difficult than going any team back-to-back at the exact same team. Let's just go astronomical here. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen Clemson or Bama. College football so different, you know that. No, I know. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Or Lakers and Celtics. I mean, hell, that doesn't happen ever. But I was checking out the odds though, and if if you're a better, currently the Jets are plus ten thousand to win the Super Bowl <laughs> next year. And I don't think there there's no part of me that thinks the Jets are actually in contention in the Super Bowl next year. But at I plus like ten thousand, I like Coach Sala. I think he's money. I don't think the Jets are going to be basement dwellers next year. I could see Jets being in contention for a wild card next year. Is to this, be hundred percent honest is with this you, is this pre want you know Deshaun? I mean, if he goes there, you have you have him. I think Richard Sherman may find his way there. I don't know. Who, who's he throwing to? Yeah, Denzel Mims. He, he was a rookie last year. Right. He's, he's doing all right. And I assume they'll go target another wide receiver somewhere in second, third round of the draft. Um, but to me, if I'm going anyone besides Kansas City, I think I got to go Buffalo. Buffalo's good. What about Green Bay? I think they got to do it. I mean, they they were – they're too good. Aaron Rodgers is too good to not get a second Super Bowl. And I know they whacked their defensive coordinator. They were better defensively. They got they got torched. They got kind of a couple of goofballs in the secondary. They didn't do their job uh, when it comes to coverage, clearly. I, mean, I think that the Packers are a team that's too good to have made it to you know, two straight NFC Championship games, lost them both. I mean, they got a good roster turn next year. They still got Aaron Rodgers. Let's just be straight. They should probably have like two or three rings under Rodgers. For sure. And right? I, I can see them going all in next year, trying to get Rodgers that last ring before they hand over the reins to Jordan Love, if that's who they turn it over to. <laughs> Different discussion. We'll uh, check in with Andy Markowski, Pride Org, Husker Hoops on the way. Hail Varsity continues. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It's nice of Bruce Arians to uh, to perform an intervention on any free agent offers Levante David may get. Not to play that for you towards the end of the show. Pretty good stuff. We welcome in. He is the pride of Ord. Stand out with Nebraska and uh, part of the uh, the Pius the Tenth girls. 
basketball coaching staff and uh, Pius unbeaten, number one, phenomenal. Uh, we welcome in Andy Markowski with us at Markowski underscore Andy on Twitter. Mr. Andy, how the heck are you, man? What's new? Not doing well, Smitty. I just, uh, you know, haven't been on. I just uh, assumed the coldest week of the year and misery. Like, let's call, let's call Markowski. Let's get him on. I, just, uh, I don't know if my name uh, came to the top of your mind with this cold weather or what, but I appreciate the invite. Brother, it's so fun to chat with you. And listen, we. We just haven't really gotten into it. There's been so much NFL and there's been so much football that we're kind of shifting towards basketball. And uh, can you prescribe? I mean, Nebraska basketball fans are, are on a couch right now and and they need to, they need some answers they need some help do you yeah. have any do you have any love for nebraska basketball big time against wisconsin tonight but that's where i want to go and no it wasn't the coldest uh, week of the year oh, let's just <laughs> let's just dust off andy and see what he's doing yeah. uh and you're gonna thaw it out is what i'm saying and tell me uh tell me about what you've observed from nebraska i mean just what, what are your feelings from uh, from this oh, tough, well, tough it, season it's certainly is uh, a challenging year and you know I'm not here to make a bunch of excuses because they they just haven't been able to you know really in two years uh, and and put it together and I I think part of that is is COVID right when you're when you're gonna you know flip a roster in in 2020 and then flip it again in 2020 and 21 you know you need time uh the the, you know the players need time in the system they didn't they didn't have that in the summer or, or the fall and they certainly have had disruptions this year, um, uh, I, I think the talent is better. I, I think you know Fred has proved that you know they will go out and, and attract um, a, a more talented player. Now that doesn't always lead to success. I, I think they have to figure out the right fit, the right chemistry. Uh, you know, get get the group playing together more than what maybe he's been able to do uh, with this group. But there's more talent, you know, coming in again next year. I, I like the fact that they do have some high school. Kids, uh, you know, linked into that that recruiting class, but the reality of it is, the Big Ten is is a monster. I mean, it is it is really good. It wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't three or four teams in the lead eight uh, from this conference. And you know, when you're playing that night in and night out, you know, with a team that's not playing well or or have good chemistry on the court, uh, you're going to lose games, and, and that's what they've experienced so far this season. What was the key to some of your chemistry uh, with? Those teams you were on with Lou and and some of the the higher level Husker teams that were were tournament bound. I mean, and you were a captain on those squads. What not only from a peer standpoint, but from a talent standpoint, how how were you able to to get that chemistry to to be a part of that talent that was uh, on the floor? Yeah, well, it starts with talent. I mean, you said it a couple of times. I mean, you, we we had some guys that could could really play professionals, and and I, I do think they have uh, enough talent to to be successful. Now, the second part of what what we had in the '90s and what Danny did a nice job on is he had role players. He had role definition. Um, you know, he blended tough uh, role players with with talent. Um, you know, he had depth. Um, you know, and and those things I, I think Fred has really struggled when you're. You know, when you're out recruiting and transfers are all coming looking for more opportunity, right? People don't leave because they're they're really happy with their role or the system that they that they left. They're they're looking for uh, a, a better situation. And through the recruiting process, you know, they're they're probably being led like, hey, we play a 
you know, a fast system, you're going to have an opportunity to, to, to put the ball in your hands and make plays. And, you know, pretty soon you tell that to, to four or five kids that they, that they can, you know, have a chance to have the ball in their hand and make plays. Now you're, you're trying to balance that out through the course of a season. And, and you know, I, I think the role definition and, and blending a, a unit together, you know, who wants to do some of the small things, who's willing to, you know, not play if you want need to play big or if you need to play small. Who, who's willing to give up those minutes for the betterment of the team? Um, I haven't. I've not seen this group. Uh, you know, kind of buy into all of that, and and you know that takes time. Uh, it takes it takes chemistry, and and I, I think uh, you know once again the the time away that the the guys can't spend a lot of time off the court to to bond and and really care about each other with some of the COVID restrictions. And, you know, everybody is experiencing that around the country. But when, when you're, you know, you're mixing in Walker, you know, 14 games into the season, uh, those are things that are, are, are challenging to do. And, and, I, and I don't think Fred's been able to blend the group as well as is probably what he needs to or what he wanted to. How big is tonight for Teddy Allen? Yeah, I, you know, I, I you know, Teddy was on the bench cheering, uh, which is a really positive sign. But um, but time time will will tell the the story there. I mean, Teddy is immensely talented. Um, I, I think guys like Teddy are hard to play with uh, in terms of every time they they get the ball, they think they can score, uh, which which he can. Uh, but but so can some other players on the team. So it's you know trying to find you know a role that he's comfortable with without having to take the volume of shots and and. and you know, mixing it in with some other talented scores on the roster. Um, but, you know, hopefully Teddy figures it out. He seems to be doing, uh, you know, for the most part, things the, the right way. But, um, but you know, I, don't, I think Fred's going to move on from, from, from people that, uh, you know, he can't get to buy into the ultimate goal, and that's to get to the tournament and win a tournament game. Uh, we can't forget that. And, and, and sometimes uh, you can have too much talent or, or, or too many scorers, and, and you have to – you have to process that, but hopefully Teddy, you know, figures out because there's there's been games he's been the best player on the court, and and certainly Nebraska needs him to to do that. Yeah, you're right. There's been games where he's been all over the court and seems like the the best player on the team. There's other games where he's gone completely silent. I don't think that's what Husker fans were expecting coming into the season from Teddy Allen. And there's been times where the Husker offense just in, in stretches of the game has gone completely silent. It feels like they turn the ball over once and twice, and then there's a just a lid right over the top of the rim, and they can't get the ball. Uh, through it they can't get any offense and you'd look up and you're down 20 points what do you think the remedy for that is because that seems like a problem from last year that's extended into this year as well yeah um you know just to unpack that um the, the turnovers is probably the most alarming thing to me i mean um you know fred can really coach offense and and it doesn't appear that that we are as far along offensively is maybe what what I expected them to be, um, you know, you've you've had two different point guards, right? I, I thought Cam Mack probably did a better job of running Fred stuff last year, in terms of being downhill and and, and kind of being a pass first uh, point guard. I, I you know I think Cam had numerous triple doubles, and I think he set the assist record if I'm um, not mistaken. So I I think he was probably a better fit at point guard. Um, the amount of turnovers we have this year, you know, tells me that they're, they're just not settled at, at some of those guard spots. Um, you know, I think Banton is a, is a really talented, you know, gifted um, athlete, uh, but I, I don't know if he, you know, is, is exactly the point guard that, 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 that Fred needs in the system. I think he's a compliment, you know, could play a combo a little bit if we, if we did have a true point guard. So, you know, the, the, the turnovers and just the execution is that, you know the thing that has alarmed me. The shooting comes and goes. I, I, I think um, 
we, we, we're not a great shooting team yet. Um, you know, so when you're forced to, to take a bunch of jump shots being down against good defensive Big Ten teams, um, you know, that was going to show up at, at some point. But, but they've got to, you know, defensively, I, I've been really impressed. I think Doc's done a really good job. I think they've fought in. They've defended. I, I feel like this team is competing. They haven't waved the flag. So there's, there's a lot of positives. But then at some point, they've got to win. I mean, they, we're, we're, not, we're not here just to, to feel good about them being better in year two. And I, I think Fred and the staff would, would acknowledge that as well. But I look at their schedule, and, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not coaching in the Big Ten. I'll put it that way because you know you have a Wisconsin team that's coming off their worst loss, you know, of the season. So you know, welcome to that. And then you get an Illinois team that I think on on paper might be the most talented team um, there is in the country with with two really really good guards and, and maybe the most dominant big. So it, it doesn't get any easier uh, for Nebraska. Andy Markowski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio standout Husker assistant at Pius. And uh, the pride of Ord. So this discussion point of getting high school talent to come in and the world that we live in with with transfer opportunity, be it JUCO or be it uh, a Division One transfer like we've seen in past years, be it a Palmer or a Cope, or you look at uh, Petaway and Walt, right? I mean, those are some of the, the big-name guys that left uh, programs that, that did well in Lincoln there's been more JUCO uh, accessibility, and then you, you factored in, uh, of course, McGowan's uh, coming in from Pitt and Banton. I mean, so there's there's a mesh. Tell me about your feelings with Nebraska and, and the the high school talent that's so loaded right now for for twenty twenty one. I mean, Nebraska's in on some of these kids, but a lot of the other kids are. are going to go elsewhere. McGowan's is out there as a five-star. you got the Millard North crew. You, you've got uh, Trout out in Grand Island that's, that's big time. Uh, yeah. And then you got Chucky that's, uh, that's headed to Wisconsin. I mean, what, what type of what type of brand slash pitch reception would Nebraska basketball get right now from high school kids? I mean, how hard to sell is well, it? Well, I, I think I, you know, I, I think nationally the, the brand is there with Fred. I mean, you, you know, you get uh, uh, McCowan, which is the best recruit, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, since uh, a Woolridge or, or, you know, some of the, the guys that are ranked in the in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Then you get another top 100 big out of, out of California. You know, certainly the, the Hunter Salis, um, you know, not – you know, choosing um, Nebraska, um, you know, is, is is kind of a black eye. But but in the end, Chris, uh, you know, whether wherever you get the the talent, um, and I, and I think more high school kids are committed to the long term of of the program that they choose because they've vetted it and, and they want to be at Nebraska. You have to get people that want Nebraska to win. They they have to be about Nebraska basketball versus. Hey, I'm unhappy. I'm gonna leave. I want to go score 20 points at at, at this school because they don't have a guard at my my position. And sometimes you get that with with transfers. So you know, going back to your point, we we need a backbone of kids that want to be at Nebraska and want to win, regardless if they're in-state kids or you know out-of-state high school kids. I, I do think you have to blend that now. You know, Isaac Trout, uh, Jason Green, 22, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, both of those, they would they would be phenomenal gets uh, for, for Fred. I, you know, they're, they're kids that have um, been recruited, you know, on the national level, right, not just offers from, you know, Iowa State or Creighton or Kansas State. Or, I mean, these, these are kids that are getting recruited at the national level. And, th- and those are the kids that, that, that really can help you if, if they want to be at Nebraska and 
and want to compete and, and help turn the Nebraska program around. But, you know, Chucky, I, I think Chucky um, is immensely talented, you know, probably as a, as a 21 class is the best player in Nebraska. I think he gets more done than Hunter. Um, but the reality of it, Wisconsin is a great spot for him. They play gap style defense. Uh, they're, they're slower on offense. Chucky guards. And, and drives it with strength versus speed. Fred wants to play faster. So, you know, it, I, I wasn't surprised by that choice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and give, cre- uh, give Chucky credit that he, he chose a school that was, you know, probably a really, really good good fit for him. And, and I don't know if people understood some of those details around that decision. Uh, but, but, you know, Chucky would certainly help Nebraska, and you would like to have him. But sending the two, two top 100 kids that we did in the, in the 21 class is a, is a big step for, for Fred, and now he's got to follow it up with, with the 22 class with having Jason Green and, and a guy like Isaac Trout, uh, another you know, probably a top 40 kid when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, those are kids in your back door. They don't, they don't come along every year. Um, you know, you need to, to do the best you can to keep them, keeping them home. Andy Markowski is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, while we're talking high school basketball in Nebraska, saw today that Lincoln Supreme has teamed up with uh, the factory basketball training facility up in Omaha, and uh, they're creating, uh, it looks like an AAU team to join the uh, Under Armour uh, Basketball League. Uh, seems like a, uh, a group of Under Armour-sponsored basketball teams across America competing at the AAU level. What does that mean for high school basketball uh, in the city of Lincoln in the state of Nebraska? Yeah, it's just another real positive step in, in, in allowing, um, you know, our athletes to, um, to A, you know, compete uh, and practice in, in the state against other, other kids that are like-minded, right? So that's the first thing is you get better in a practice environment. Uh, but the second thing is, um, is, is the exposure, um, you know, that comes with um, being a part of. Uh, now, you know, if you're good enough, uh, you're you're going to get noticed. I mean, that's the reality of, of you know people ask me all the time, how do you get recruited? Well, you get recruited by being good because there's four coaches that they're paid to go out and find the talent around the country. But but anytime you can, um, you know, be a part of uh, of an organization that that coaches will will visit and watch games. Um, it, you know, hopefully can can get more kids on the radar, uh, whether it be in the region, Division One or or national Division One kids. So um, you know, I just it's a credit to. To Matt Comero, uh, Matt, uh, you know, really put a lot of time into Supreme here locally. Got a great new facility in the Kinetic uh, Complex on O Street, and then Mike Mackey in Omaha has done a lot of grassroots effort. I think both of those guys, um, you know, don't do it for for the money. They're they're they're, they're truly um, want to develop boys and girls. Uh, the Lasers organization that I'm a part of joined up with Supreme uh, this past winter. Um, so, you know, you're seeing more of that alignment, which always strengthens uh, the product uh, of Nebraska basketball, both boys and girls. And, you know, I'm really excited that Mike, Mike and, and Matt could have uh, could came together and, and make that happen because sometimes egos get involved or you want to, you know, you want all the credit. And in the end, it needs to be about the, the boys and girls that we're all trying to develop and, and hopefully get an opportunity to, to go get a scholarship. And you know, I think that's uh, that alignment is going to help more, more kids achieve their goals. Eddie Markowski with us, the pride of Ord. Eddie, we'll do this again soon, I promise, and we'll find our way to that brewery, all right? <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Eddie Markowski with us. Good to talk with him. Great insight on hoops. George Darlington's next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's uh, spend some time with the Hall of Fame coach with Nebraska. We welcome in George Darlington. Coach, it's been a while. How's, uh, how's 2021 treating you? Well, a lot like everybody. <laughs> the COVID and the being stuck inside the whole bit. Well, but hopefully it's going to get better. Yeah, and you're staying warm. I, I trust you're, you're keeping bundled up. Yes, I look like uh, an Eskimo. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay bundled, man. So uh, I wanted to give you a call and uh, spend some time on on uh, a coach you know well that's now uh, back in Lincoln as an analyst, and that's Bill Bush. Kind of take us through your, your history with, with, with Coach Bush, and what's your reaction to him back in Lincoln? Well, I'm excited that he's uh, going to come back, and I think he can add a lot. I know it's kind of a tough position because you have the in-place coaches and sometimes – there's a little animosity towards, a, quote, an analyst. But uh, he, he will give a lot of great advice. Uh, he's been a lot of places and been very successful. He did a great job with us, a tremendous coach, because people don't realize that uh, the way we operated, we only had two GEAs, and um, he really was a full-time coach. Because the secondary, you need two guys really to watch sides and stuff like that. So he was technically officially a grad assistant, but he was every much a full-time coach as anybody. A tremendous recruiter. Uh, the uh, press uh, uh, doesn't realize that uh, the comeback player of the year in the NFL uh, the quarterback from Washington, he recruited to Utah. In fact, we were at the high school in the spring. After he had recruited him, we were looking at a kind of an average running back, uh, Reggie Bush, who was a year behind uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith was so so good Alex for Smith, yeah for right. no for for Utah, and that was one of Bill's early gigs if we go back and that was kind of there with Urban Meyer and, and I know we reunited with Urban at, at Ohio State as, a, as an analyst but he was in on Reggie Bush too it sounds like and coach you had you know work with him uh, he, so is it face, safe to say he was your GA or that side of the ball because you were, you were in the yeah, secondary I, when he was down there. Yeah that, that would be how his classification was but mm-hmm. He was just another uh, one of the two defensive back coaches. Mm-hmm. He was coaching as much as I would. Mm-hmm. We split assignments with our four-station um, practices some. And, uh, no, he was every, every bit of full-time coach, but the only thing was he was getting graduate assistant pay. <laughs> and a lot of times uh, teams do it differently, but – and we had other guys, Dave Schramm, the same way. I mean, and I think it helped them when they went on to another job because they really weren't people to be uh, running and getting coffee and donuts for people. He was actually working and coaching the DBs just like I was. When it, when it comes to the recruiting side of things, and George Darlington's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, we're talking Bill Bush 
back in Lincoln. Bill's known for his work in the secondary, not only at Nebraska, but also at LSU, was was the secondary coach when they won their national championship. But he's he's well known as a recruiter. And what tricks of the trade has he been able to accumulate over the years? And I know his, his recruiting will be limited just because of, of his title in Lincoln now, but he's it seems like Coach Bush knows a lot of people in a lot of spots that, that are really close to talent. I mean, that's that's also been a very high-level reputation he's developed over the years. And how has he, how has he kind of honed his recruiting skills over the decades? Well, he's uh, he's a very personable person. And then uh, by getting to know people, uh, even now, uh, he can get on the phone and call coaches or the recruiting office could come to him and say, look, we're trying to recruit Joe Schmo from Kokomo. Do you know the coach? And he very well might know the coach better than any present coaches on our staff. And there would be nothing illegal, I don't think, for him to get on the phone and uh, call, get the lowdown. You know, a lot of the JCs in Kansas, all of those, I know he had a lot of contacts and also people all over the country. And so he he can be invaluable in that regard besides working with the, with the defense and giving uh, opinions that may or may not be accepted. But... Uh, no, he, he's done a good job. The number of people that he's been the lead recruiter on, I guess you'd say, is quite amazing. Coach George Jarlington's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Coach, uh, when you look at a guy like Bill Bush, was he a guy that you were expecting to eventually make a return back to Lincoln like he's doing now? Well, I'll, I'll give you a story. Scott Frost got hired. I was at church and somebody said, hey, they're having a press conference. They just hired Scott Frost. I drove down uh, after church, was late, getting there for the beginning ceremonies, and there were a whole bunch of ex-coaches, ex-players there. And he wasn't there. He was upstairs being interviewed and uh, from the third floor of the uh, stadium. And I said, well, you know, I'd like to chat with him. And so... Uh, they said, well, you know, he's going to be coming down this particular elevator. And so when he came down, of course, I congratulated him. and We had some nice chats in a short period of time. And I said, you know, I, I came down here. I wanted to recommend that you consider hiring Bill Bush. And uh, Scott told me yeah, I'm aware of him. And, and, you know, we had a nice conversation. That was a uh, the first uh, press conference they had for Scott, and of course we're all pulling for uh, uh, for Scott and uh, the staff uh, and the team. And uh, one of the things I'm hopeful is there's been development with the walk-ons that there'll be a few players from that venue, let's say, coming out of the woodwork mm-hmm. to uh, help the team get. Uh, considerably better. George Darlington's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So Bush is a guy that's been on on Frost's radar, fair to say, for for a while. Uh, Bill Bush known, obviously, because of his time here as a GA coach Darlington yeah, with, with you. Player. Yeah. 
uh, when Bill was here. Okay, I got you. So he was a mid- quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was ninety seven when Bill was with you guys, correct? Yeah, he, he was with us. So, and of course Scott was with us more than ninety seven. Sure. He yeah. Transferred in from a minor school on the West Coast. <laughs> George Tarlington's with us. That's right. Those those darn tech universities, right? Well, I went there, so that's why I can kiss. No, I know. I know you did. George Darlington's with us. Coach, uh, with um with special teams, right? I mean, that's the, before we let you go, that's another, I guess, area of expertise for, for Bill Bush too, correct? Yes, very much so. Very, very much so. What's uh, what's been so good for for Bush in his career? What 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 have you seen from him, from coach to coach, about his ability to, to make special teams kind of hum? Well, he, he's like anything when you're coaching a position or a segment. How well you research it, how well you let's say experiment and try things to see if they uh, will improve. Uh, he was a part of that, and um, that that's going to be really important. I I know I'm a, a, an old uh, old saw concerning the three elements of football, but we have badly lost uh, many segments of the kicking game the last three years. I mean, everybody knows that if they pay any attention, and that's cost us. Not allowed us. To, not allowed Scott to have a winning record, even up to this point, and that has to be radically improved. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, uh, we're going to be disappointed. George Darlington's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, a longtime uh, assistant at Nebraska, and uh, his uh, GA, uh, Bill Bush, from uh, from back in the 90s with Coach Osborne. Bill's been uh, a lot of spots, and man, he's kind of, he's got the, the, the wall of fame with some of those uh, recruiting wins. Uh, you just mentioned the, he was in on Reggie Bush, he was there for Alex Smith, and, and just recently, I mean, can you imagine LSU without Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah, that's, that's that's for sure. I mean, they would have won nine or ten, but they wouldn't have won at all. Yeah. And, Bill, uh, during Callahan's years, uh, if you look uh, at the people that uh, he was predominantly in charge of in, in the recruiting during that time, a lot of those players uh, were kids that he was – the lead recruiter on and again his contacts you know you make contacts uh, the longer you're in the business and uh, and he took good advantage of it and he's very well liked very personable and he and he knows what a football player is and uh, you know he he can be uh, in a good way very critical as to what we're playing with now compared to what they played with two years ago at LSU. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is that's where you have to get. And the way you get there is development through the walk-on program, recruiting as well as you can, having a good weight program and all that. But nobody is uh, sitting around here and thinking that we have better players at this point than Alabama does. But there were periods where uh, we did have as good or better players than Alabama has. 
and uh, they didn't come the traditional way. Mm. They came from what would be categorized three-star athletes plus a great walk-on program where uh, a certain number of men developed mm. um, and, and the whole program. That's what we have to do here. There's no secret we're not going to uh, out-recruit Alabama at this point or LSU for their in-state area players. But that doesn't mean you can't put yourself in a position to beat them and uh, by getting there another way. George Darlington. Coach, we'll, uh, we'll go get some Mexican soon and uh, look forward to, to seeing you again. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, promises, promises, right? <laughs> He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how you been? Doing great, Chris. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I am good. Uh, did you have a good time with the Super Bowl? Yeah, it was good. Other than everything going on outside and trying to stay warm, the Super Bowl was great. It was. It, it wasn't great for Patrick Mahomes. That man was running for his life. And uh, today he uh, he went under the knife. Uh, Patrick Mahomes having surgery on that right foot a torn planter plate and we, we knew he wasn't uh 100 dr ben but that's pretty quick turnaround time i mean there's different levels of turf toe and then there's uh though the, that turf toe that requires surgery by the uh one of the best in dr robert anderson what's your takeaway with this well, it obviously is bad enough that it had to go undergo surgery. Usually these are injuries that don't always. Um, you know, I <clears throat> from reading it, it sounds like he did rupture that plantar plate. Um, you know, it's quite extensive surgery. It'll get quite extensive rehab. It's something that he's probably been, you know, it's hard to tell when he actually injured it, but he's still dealing with it for a while. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Yeah, we'll get into the rehab of it, but in your um, in, in your expertise, kind of take us through the the bad to worse with uh, with turf toe, if you don't mind, because clearly Mahomes was not off of his feet. He was using them Sunday, but even throughout the playoffs and even towards the end of the regular season, they just I don't know. Kansas City was still scoring and winning. But they didn't look as, as sharp. We, we don't know when this started. We just know that it, it has affected him from a mobility standpoint. He still played great. He just didn't have much help. Yeah, I mean, his line didn't help him out a lot, but he was running for his life. But, yeah, I, you know, I do think he looked a little slower in his step, at least in the Super Bowl and maybe in the last couple games. Whether he was just beat up from the end of the year, it's hard to say. Um, but it certainly could have been lingering for a while. And there's all varieties of turf toes. If you've talked to anybody that ever has had turf toe, that it can be a nagging injury that can last for a very long time, talking months. Um, and really, you know, one of the best things that you can do for turf toe is actually rest it and let it calm down. But he obviously wasn't able to do that if he experienced the injury 
you know, middle or towards the latest, uh, later part of the season. And so, you know, if the injury was not bad enough requiring surgery still, you know, the downtime after the season is what it requires for that to heal. And so it obviously was extensive enough that they have to actually go in there and repair um, that portion surrounding the toe that was torn. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. Hail Varsity Radio and Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. I've got a bit of a diagram in front of me here of the plantar plate. And uh, I look at the tear, and you've got that big toe of his on the right foot. And, and the, the plate is kind of a, a giant section of, of bone as you get from the top of your toe to... You know the the bones that that go through your through the rest of your foot to your ankle, and this is a pretty severe region. You know that area right below your toes, kind of above your midfoot region, and man, that's that's something that when it comes to fixing, you know, what's the best way to go about doing that? How does it happen from the uh, the procedure side of things? Well, they go in there and they repair that plate, and to to be honest, this is a surgery that you know, is really only done by people that are very subspecialized in foot and ankle surgery. A lot of, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of foot and ankle surgeons that maybe not even doing this on a regular basis. He's going to Dr. Anderson, who, you know, is a very commonly a foot and ankle surgeon that takes care of the most elite um, professional athlete sports injuries. So I'm sure Dr. Anderson is doing this quite often. Um, You know, but he's going to go in there, he's going to repair the um, portion of the plate that is torn, um, I'm not entirely sure on his exact protocol, but I'm sure there's going to be an extensive amount of time where he's going to either be non-weight-bearing or he's going to be in some type of boot and he's not able to move his toe at all because if you move that toe too early, he's going to rip out the repair that Dr. Anderson has done. Um, But that's a tough place in the body because unlike, you know, after shoulder surgery, elbow surgery, or other areas that you can truly rest, you know, that's an area, the ball of the foot, where you're putting a tremendous amount of weight. Anytime you walk, anytime you push off, um, you're stressing that repair. And so, you know, the biggest thing for Patrick going forward is, you know, once it is repaired is, you know, the healing time. There's really not a way to cheat out on the healing time. You really have to respect that portion of the rehab. Dr. Ben, I'm, I'm looking at this, and when we talk about symptoms, we're talking tingling, burning, radiating nerve pain, and that travels throughout the foot, throughout the toes, not just that big toe Mahomes was trying to to kind of deal with. I mean, that that's a, that's a bad domino effect. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and it's not even just from the pain, the, the amount of power that, you know, Mahomes has to do when he runs or when he cuts or when he jumps, anything like that is affected by that plantar plate and that turf toe injury. And when you don't have that... Um, basically functioning appropriately, you lose that explosiveness, you lose that power, let alone the pain and the symptoms that you're talking about. It's a, it's a terrible combination for somebody that is of his athletic caliber that relies on his feet so much. It's also kind of a common overload injury. And just think of, think of how many pass attempts Mahomes has had the last half of the season, specifically the playoffs. And that's your plant foot, man. I mean, it's amazing he's been as accurate as he is. I know. And, you know, he can make any kind of throw possible. If you even remember the one where he was falling down, throwing yeah. into yeah. the end zone and basically threw a, threw a sidewinder. 
And, you know, to think that he's been doing that off of his planter foot basically however many games for the last um, portion of the season is absolutely remarkable to think about. So when it comes to recovery, let's get there with Patrick Mahomes in, in the torn planter plate. We're looking three to four months, and, you know, how do you get back to, to normal or just like the old Mahomes, what's that, what's that regiment going to be like? You know, I think the most important thing is he's got to be adherent to the rehab protocol. You've got to let the healing process take its course. Like I said, there's not, a way to, there's not a way to hurry that up because the most important thing when you're repairing soft tissue is that you're requiring on that soft tissue to scar in and, and heal. And so um, you have to give that the six to eight weeks that is required for the healing. And then once you get to that point where you do have scar and, and healing that's occurred, you know, then you can start the rehab portion where you're actually working on the move and you're working on getting back to normal. Um, but that's gonna, it's going to be tough because his toe is going to be stiff. He's going to be, you know, gradually working on getting that motion back. And then ultimately, you know, he's got to get back to being able to sprint and, and towing off of that foot. Those are the biggest things that he's going to deal with going forward. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday as we're talking Patrick Mahomes, his torn planter plate that right foot and he is had surgery today and and the rehab begins dr ben thanks for taking time out and and discussing this with us we'll uh, chat again soon absolutely chris stay warm miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time, a Wednesday edition, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Must listen to Andy Markowski, Mike Babcock. Good stuff from George Darlington. Tomorrow on the show, uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, get his take on the Big Ten landscape. Gary Barnett uh, will dive into quarterbacks and uh, that topic. Brandon Vogel with us, and then uh, the pride of Chicago, Burke's Best. Better reminder, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska they're not wearing their seatbelt. So if used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we've done a lot of time on Tom Brady and his avocado tequila. We've uh, dived uh, into or dove into uh, the quarterback situation, uh, some nice offers for 2022. So what what does 2021 hold for Tampa and Levante David? Levante's uh, an incredible Husker, now a Super Bowl champ after nine long years in Tampa. And uh, it was a topic of conversation because a microphone was in front of Levante David post-boat parade. And here's how that unfolded. I appreciate you it so uh levante david's a free agent just wrapped up a 54 million dollar deal with tampa as they extended him after his rookie deal and you have shaquille barrett that needs to get paid you have levante david that needs to get paid and dominican sue's out there 
There's a slew of guys on offense as well. But uh, Bruce Arians, B.A., went and made a beeline from behind Levante David to take the microphone, and you heard him. Your ass ain't going nowhere. So you got to do some juggling here if you're Jason Light. But you put it together once. You could probably do it again. And, you know, this would be Levante's third contract. You make your uh, retirement and generational changing money with that second contract. Sue's earned $150 million in his time. Uh, Shaquille Barrett's last couple of paydays have put him. This is pre-tax, mind you, and Tampa's a good I think the Dolphins are going to come hard after Levante David. He's a Northwest Miami kid. Their defense was pretty incredible as is. He might be a missing piece. The thing is, is they're a 3-4. Now, he can do whatever he wants. He can play wherever he's at. It's pretty perfect, though, in this Tampa defense. And 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 and, and Bowens is uh, really a hit, right? He's He's been a high-level defensive coordinator. And, and the thing about Levante is he's gone through head coaches. He's gone through coordinators. I mean, Raheem Morris is a guy that he loved. Uh, Shiano drafted him. That didn't last long. There's finally some stability with Levante. My, my question is, is this the offseason where he goes and tries to cash in off this big season you just had? That's my question. I mean, he's making, I think, a little over $10 million a year right now. He Tampa. is. And, and, and what's, what's fair for everybody? Levante's 31, but he's playing like he's still in his 20s. He's not missing games. All right, back at it on a Thursday. Thanks for your time. With Hale Varsity, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a good one.